Good afternoon and welcome to our show, We're Talking Golf. My name is Douglas Maida and I'm your host. Joining me today, we have a very special guest co-host, uh, Cheyenne Gustosp. She's, um, Cheyenne is a certified LPGA professional and she has a holds a double master's degree based out of Vancouver, Canada. Her past 10 years of experience has been working for professional sports teams such as the Orlando Magic in the NBA, Arsenal Football Club in the Premier League, and the Vancouver Canucks in the NHL. She's also worked in Barcelona, Spain, with a few of the soccer clubs or football clubs in La Liga. Welcome to the show, Cheyenne. Hi, Douglas. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. Pleasure. Um, now, before we get into our show a little bit, uh, Cheyenne, I have a couple of uh, little quick things to run through. So I just wanted to uh, let our listeners know that today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We are produced by the World of Golf, and you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.worldofgolf.org or on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For those of you who use these uh, additional software, you can also find us on Weibo and WeChat. Now, before we get into today's show, I'd like to welcome you, our listeners and followers from around the world that listen to our show, because without you and your support, we would not be able to bring you our show. So thank you again. Joining us today, we'll be having two very special guests. We're pleased to have Beth Ann Nichols from Golf Week joining us again. And we have Sophie Walker, a golf analyst from the UK. Today, we're going to be talking about and looking at the 75th U.S. Women's Open, which will be held next week in Houston at the Champions Golf Club. We're going to be discussing the players and contenders to win the last major of the season, and we'll share our picks with you. So we'll take a short break for a message from our sponsors before we introduce our guests. You're listening to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf. Our show is produced by the world of golf. You can find us on the web at www.worldofgolf.org. We are independently produced, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Now back to our show. Here are your co-hosts, Douglas and Cheyenne. All right. Thank you for joining us and staying with us. We're back. And because we have a packed show for you today, we will just get right to our guests. Beth Ann Nichols is a senior writer for Golf Week. Beth Ann primarily covers the LPGA and has built a reputation for her knowledge of the women's game. Sophie Walker is a performer professional player on the Ladies European Tour and is now teaching golf and working as a golf analyst for various broadcasts, including Sky Sports, where she recently attended the last event in Spain. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Pleasure. Glad you could all make it. Um, so it's the 75th U.S. Women's Open coming up. Um, big, uh, a big event for the USGA and women's golf. And... Uh, it's going to be hosted at uh, Champions Golf Club in Houston. So, um, Beth Ann, have you been out that way at all to see, or have you heard anything about the course and how it's playing and how they intend to set it up? Yeah, um, not recently. It's been a few years. I was there in um, 2016. Uh, it was the last time I was at Champions uh, to do a story on Jack Burke Jr. and and Robin Burke. Um, so it's it's been a it's been a while. But I did have a video chat with uh, Jack a few months ago. It was his first. Uh, video interview <laughs> and he's 97 years old he did fantastic we went into his office which is like a museum and he he you know pointed out a lot of the memorabilia and did a lot of trips down memory lane um you know no no course in texas has hosted as many usga championships as as champions so uh it's a it's the perfect place especially given the fact that the tournament had to be moved to december and it, it has to uh, championship golf courses in Jackrabbit and Cyprus. So, um, so it just worked out tremendously given the circumstances. Yeah. Terrific. Terrific. Any, uh, any word on how the USGA plans to set up the course given that it's December? Uh, well, I don't think the rough will be as penal as it, as it could have been, you know, and it, it's, it's typical time. Um, I know they're getting a lot of rain right now. So um, as in today, <laughs> so I don't know how, how much is forecasted in the future in terms of how well it'll dry out and how long it will play. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, 
you know, it's the, the, the golf courses are very different um, in terms of uh, champions is um, I'm sorry. Cyprus has ginormous greens. It's more open. Um, Jack rabbit has smaller green complexes, a lot of dog legs, um, but it'll be a, a lot of, um, a lot of getting it in the, you know, of course play Cyprus three times. So, um, lag putters will, <laughs> will have a leg up and, uh, and anyone who can get it in the white right quadrant, uh, will, you know, ball striking will be key. So just see, be interesting to see how long it plays in terms of what, what irons you'll be hitting in trying to get in the right quadrant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so turf conditions are pretty solid right now. Not too damp, do you think? Well, or? today it will be. <laughs> so I, I just, I just don't know how much it'll dry out between now and then because I know they're getting a ton of rain today. I only know that because I looked at the app on accident this morning. I said to my husband, "Oh, we're going to get a lot of rain today," and I was like, "Oh no, that was Houston." I was, I was looking at the weather from the other day. I was like, "Our weather's perfect here in sunny Florida," but uh, but yeah. So I mean, yeah. we'll. We'll see. It'll be an interesting test with the two courses. Yeah, terrific. Hey, um, Bethan, um, a little bit about the history of Champions Golf Course because it seems to have quite the uh, a wonderful history. Not quite a story to say Augusta National, but nonetheless, there's a tie-in between Augusta National and uh, Jackie Burke and and uh, Jimmy Demers. Yeah, I'm getting out my cheat sheet here so I can get the uh, get the the dates right here. Um, so, uh, hosted the U.S. Open in 1969, Orville Moody won. Course hosted the 1967 Ryder Cup, which was a route by the Americans. Um, Tour Championship has been there several years for the PGA Tour. Uh, Tiger Woods, David Duvall among the winners. And, uh, and, and Ben Crenshaw won the 1973 Southern Amateur. So, basically a lot. It's a who's who list of, of who's been through this club and one tournaments and i think that's one thing that makes it so exciting for the women to be able to um to come to a golf course that people recognize as having you know hosted so many big tournaments over the years and happens to be owned and run by the oldest living masters champion and jack burke jr wow <laughs> yeah i hear he still shares a locker at uh at Augusta National with Tiger Woods. He does, yeah. He told me that he tries to ask him to leave some <laughs> tip money behind in that locker room. So far, Tiger has yet to oblige. <laughs> so, but he, he hasn't been to the, to the, to the Masters Champions Dinner um, in several years, but his wife, Robin, is really um, – tr- would love for him to go back one more time and, and, and be there for that. So she's kind of pushing him – um, I mean, obviously, it's a tough time to travel right now, but, you know, hopefully he turns 98 in January. So um, oh, maybe wow. maybe everyone can convince him next yeah. week to to try to make his way there next April. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be nice. One last uh, one more visit uh, in April would be fantastic. <laughs> I have a question for both of you, um, because, Sophie, you were just saying about traveling, you just you know, got in from Spain and are in um, England right now. So my biggest thing is, what do you think in terms of precautions for COVID-19? Do the women have to, are, do you think they're like staying in their house or just like and going to practice and coming back to try and obviously not catch the virus before this big day? Or like, is there rules that they have to abide by? Or what do you think that they're doing to try and stay safe? From experiencing it myself the last, well, four or five months, I think the best thing players can do is actually stay in the bubble. So the ones that are playing this week, I think the chances of them catching it are a lot less than if they were at home because you have to test it, like enter the tournament bubble and then you have to test for the next week. Um, And you're around people constantly that are in that same environment. So you're thinking the same they're all on the same tests. Obviously, you're outside a lot because of the golf course. Your hotel, on the Ladies European Tour, everyone had to stay in exactly the same hotel as well. So in, in that respect, it's quite a secure environment. The, the, the chances of you catching it in that environment are quite slim. And if we've looked at the people that have managed to get COVID on all tours, it's when they've actually exited the bubble. 
Um, but it's so nerve wracking taking the test because you could feel absolutely fine. And then there's like a good 12 hours where you're just so unsure if you've got it, if you've not, and that's quite mentally stressful. Um, so my best advice would be to have actually have played this right. week rather than to stay away. Um, Bethan, what are the, uh, could you share a little bit on the protocols that the uh, LPGA has put into place? Yeah, so it's a little different on the LPGA side um, in that players don't have to stay in specific hotels, um, but they aren't allowed to go to restaurants and um, and dine out at all, uh, which which Mel Reed actually got fined for celebrating uh, after she won her first LPGA title. But to be fair, it was just her, and it was a closed area. It was just her, her caddy, and her partner. So it's not like there are tons of people there or anything. They, like, literally closed it off for her, and she knew she was going to get a fine. But, <laughs> but – but you can't do anything outside of of um, basically picking up to go or you can go to a grocery store. Most players will go to the grocery store or buy a bunch of stuff. So they only do it once um, and then, you know, stay, you know, in, in places where where they have refrigerators and um, a small kitchen. So, um, yeah, it's it's been very different on the USGA side. The USGA will actually um, COVID test media and all the people that um, you're allowed to guests and then to like support people like coaches, um, therapists, whatever. So um, all those people will be tested. So even though you have two guest passes, you can't like swap them out so that, you know, somebody else can come later in the week. It has to be like designated people that have been, that have been tested. So um, the USGA, and that, that comes down to money. I think at the end of the day, the USGA, you know, is spending more money to get more people tested. Um, and of course they've, they've hosted a lot fewer championships this year um, than the LPGA has. So, um, so I think the LPGA has done a fantastic job. And, and, and like Sophie said, most of the cases have been coming from when the LPGA has had weeks off and they've, you know, gone home and then they have to get pre-tested before they go when the tour restarts. That's when you see, um, you know, the bulk of your, your positive right. tests. Um, Sophie, while we're on the topic here, do you have any thoughts or can you share with us how the U.S. Women's Open is um, perceived or regarded in the U.K.? I mean, I, I think it's natural to assume that the, uh, the uh, AIG Women's Open is kind of the highlight of the calendar year in Europe, so... I mean, it's a- <laughs> the calendar year in the world, right? <laughs> the Open uh, Championship. Yeah. The, so, obviously, if you if you were to to list the majors, the Open Championship, the Women's Open Championship, is is the number one in Europe. But in terms of US Open, it's still it's it's definitely a second because the prize money is amazing. So. Um, that's one there in terms of the UK obviously Alison Nicholas she won in was I think it was 97 so that that was on Sky Sports and that that raised the profile of women's golf and having we we didn't have too many major winners uh, around really um so in the 90s that was really cool to see Alison win and then obviously stops then won at the Open the US Open has got more significant, I think, for the European players recently is because there's now a qualifying for it over in Europe. So the past handful of years, five, six years, there's now 36 holes qualifying in England, which if you're European based, it's a lot easier to go and qualify for. So there's a handful of spots for players to go to it, which just makes it a lot more accessible to, to get over because the other majors are a lot harder to get in. You have to kind of finish in the top couple on the Ladies European Tour money list. But obviously if you play both tours then it's then it's easier. But I would I would put it below the open as like the number two major in our opinion over here. But I mean a major's a major, right? Like you want to win yeah. one. So yeah. it doesn't really matter which one. But in significance and I think from a player point of view as well, the fact that the golf courses are always so good at the US Open and the fact that there's gonna be Pebble Beach on the calendar and Erin Hills, all these iconic golf courses, you know, even the one that's coming up this year, 
there's history on it so people can relate to the golf course. And I think that's so significant for people watching and then for the players to grab some history as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the uh, any thoughts about the weather playing uh, havoc with the with the two-course setup? I mean, I understand the USGA decided to go to, uh, because they're playing the event in December and there's going to be a lot less daylight, um, are going to play Thursday and Friday on both the Jackrabbit and Cypress courses and then for the weekend, just the Cypress course after they make the cut. Any thoughts or, I mean, as a player, would you have any thoughts about the fairness or the equity of playing one course one morning and the next or next course in the afternoon and the weather changing and, and that it's not exactly 100% equal for all the players? The only experience I've had with it myself is down at the Vic Open um, in, in Geelong in Australia. Um, and there's two courses there. It's exactly the same format. You play one on each and then you play, so basically three rounds on one and one on the other. Practice rounds are tough because you've got to learn two golf courses. Mm-hmm. And you can't really say okay, um, I'm going to really practice hard around, around Cypress Creek, but because if you mess up the other one, you don't make the weekend. So it's a massive, <laughs> it's a massive few days for the caddies, really, to, to get to grips with the golf courses. A lot of the players would have liked to, I think, have gone and had a few uh, days before. I think I saw Pernille Lundberg. She was there at the weekend. So if you can get out to it early, that's great. But... You know, this year, 2020, we didn't even know if any major or any tournament was going to be on. So I think players have just got to accept that it's going to be cold. I mean, you see them all this week, don't you? They're freezing. Um, It's going to be cold next week. It's going to be windy. You're playing the US Open, which none of us thought was going to be on maybe six months ago. So I think players are a lot easy to adapt in that. I don't know the courses that well, but obviously if it's windy um, in Texas, which I expect, one course might play harder in the wind than the other. So in terms of the side of the draw, that that could hinder you. But in golf, there's many a times that you can get the good and the bad side of the draw. It happens more in a in a British Open, a Women's British Open, than it would in a US Open. But this might be a year where that can happen also. It's, it's not ideal, but there's no other way around it because of daylight. So players will just happily accept playing in a major this year, I think. Right, right. Yeah, and the USGA's, uh, I think their field is uh, 160 players. 156. So they're going, 156, yeah. So they're going with a, a more or less a full field in order to make this happen, so. I think that's terrific. Um, let's talk a little bit about some contenders and players to watch that you think will uh, be some possible contenders and some players that you think might be wonderful surprises or put on or perhaps exceed expectations that uh, people have or the public generally has of their golf. But I want to start with the obvious one because she's coming off two back-to-back championships and including a major, and that's Say Young Kim. Do you want to start us off? Oh, sure. Um, so I think Say Young is in a fantastic place mentally. I was covering the Pelican Women's Championship um, a couple weeks ago, and she, you know, she's uh, she's feeling it. <laughs> she's riding a lot of confidence. <laughs> and one thing her caddy, she had the same caddy for a long time, Paul Fusco. Uh, one thing that he said um, both times, the KPMG and then this past week, is that she's really taking ownership of of her shots and her game. It and took her she's word. not uh, relying <laughs> so much on him um, as she has in the past. And I, and I think that that confidence, um, you know, is, is taking her to, to a whole new level. And you know, I think she has a bit of an advantage in that um, I think anyone who spends a lot of time on Bermuda has an advantage. And so you have a lot of, of Texans in the field. There are seven Texans in the field. But then there are a lot of players like Say Young who make Texas their home base when they're not, um, you know, when they're playing in the U.S. And so I think she's she's not playing this week um, in Dallas, uh, or at least I, I didn't check the field. She told me she wasn't going to play. <laughs> so I assume that that held true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear it a word. She told me she wasn't going to play. Um, and that and and so she's going to rest up for, for the big, you know, one-two finish of the U.S. Women's Open and, and the CME, which, of course, she won last year. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I really like Sayang's chances. You know, she – 
She won at uh, Aronimic, which which had some large, difficult greens as well. Um, I think uh, you know. I think this is a you know a, a setup that that suits her because she really loves a challenge, and I think the two the two course test uh, will be a challenge uh, from start to finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Speaking of another player coming in in terrific form, uh, and you've been able to get up close and watch, Sophie, is uh, Emily Christine Pedersen. I mean, that's three events in a row that she's uh, she's won on the L.E.T. What are your thoughts? Um, how's her game coming along and and any thoughts on how you think she might fare at uh, at the U.S. Open? Well, I mean, I think her game's in a pretty good place. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, clearly the Ladies European Tour is not as strong as the LPJ. We all know that. But I think to, for any professional to go out there and win three Teeing it up three times and winning all three times. It doesn't matter where you are. That is a massive achievement. And the event in Saudi, there were some decent players there. You know, a lot of the Solheim Cup girls went over. So the, the thing that Em's got on her side is that she's got Terry Mack on the bag, which is Annika's old caddy, which is huge for her. Um, so she did have Mikey Patterson, but he's gone back to uh, Sung Young Room. So there was that, who's going to caddy for her? She's got a very good replacement in Terry, so that's huge. Um, she, you know, she struggled in America in the past. She struggled everywhere in the past. Um, but this time, I think having had a really good performance at the Women's British Open, that's a major. She's got really, really good form, and she has to maintain that. We'll see. Like it's a big step, um, and she's carrying a slight back injury. Mm. But in terms of like confidence, she's hitting the ball so good. It's and the way she's handling herself, like everything about her has improved. Uh, her golf swing, her demeanor, the lot. And you know, this isn't going to be like your normal U.S. Open. It's two courses to learn. There's no crowds there. You know, there isn't going to be that big American presence in the crowd, getting on people's backs, cheering on other people. Um, and she's going to go there feeling. I mean, more than on top of the world. Like, there's nothing better than walking on the driving range and people being like, well played, oh my God, you're doing so good. And you can see all that even on the social media. So she just has to maintain that that belief in her own ability. And there's no reason why she can't go out there and perform really good. I mean, did she go final group of the Women's British Open or pretty close over the weekend? So she is the most unformed player on the European tour right now Um, and the fact that the US Open has come so close to her victories uh, you've got to look to her to doing well but this is a huge step up like calibre wise this is a massive step up so she has to take her game up a notch and I think she could like in Spain I don't think she won with her B game realistically C plus but she's got to get A game at the US Open if she wants to really contend Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Great perspective. Um, how about Danielle Kang? She seems to be another name that is always uh, considered at uh, major championships. And uh, she played well uh, at the ANA Inspiration. She started off the reboot with a couple of wins. Um, she had a little bit of dip in form at uh, KPMG after finishing the Thursday and Friday in uh in uh, I believe it was a tie for second and then had that one bad round on the weekend that kind of took her out of it. But aside from that, she's been playing really solid and she's got such an amazing uh, mental approach to the game. Anyone? I mean, Danielle, it's interesting because she hasn't, she's not playing. (laughs) She she didn't play in the Pelican. She's not playing um, this week in Dallas either. So um, I haven't talked to her, but uh, it it seems that she is really... um, I, I, it seems like she's really taking these last two events seriously and that she's spending a lot of time um, in preparation. And so when we saw how well she came out of the, the as you say, the reboot for the restart, you know, winning right off the bat at Inverness, which, which is a major championship caliber course, um, you know, hey, I mean, nobody came out. Nobody, I don't, I, I would bet nobody worked harder than Danielle Kang by, by what she said over that off, off season, the second off season. Um, she spent a lot of time with Butch Harmon and just spent a lot of time working on her golf game and, and really grinded. And so I think 
um, you know, I'm guessing she's grinding, <laughs> uh, back in, back in Las Vegas. Um, and, and I expect her to be in fantastic form. I know she went early, um, to look, to look at champions, um, which I think is going to be key. Uh, those players who had the opportunity to go check out the golf courses early because earlier, because it's a lot to cram in three days. Um, and, and she, she really likes to study golf courses before she gets there. She'll get on Google Earth and she'll look at everything and she'll, you know, talk to people who've played there before. And, you know, she, she really is a – and she'll visualize the golf course and play it the way she wants in her mind and the night before a round. So, um, you know, she's all about prep work. And so I really look at this time that she's not competing um, as a sign to look out for Danielle King. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, she's quite the competitor. Just amazing to watch her play with that grit and mm-hmm. determination. And she's a two-time USGA amazing. champion. She won two women's amateurs. She likes, you know, tough setups. She's She is a USGA person. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so I, I look for her. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think she'll have a great week. Um, I think perhaps one of the biggest question marks is going to be Nellie Corda. Have you, um, has anybody heard any, got any little more information how she's coming back from that uh, <laughs> back injury of hers? I mean, she had a video posted on Instagram and she looked like she was swinging pretty smoothly and comfortably. So I think that's a good sign. But. Yeah. I mean, she came out to Pelican and, and walked around the golf course and watched her sister play. Um, her, her, um, her brother was out there too, actually. Um, her swing coach is the director of golf, Justin Sheehan at Pelican. Um, and, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm assuming that it was out of an abundance of caution that in order to be able to play these last two events that she took it easy and gave herself more time to heal, um, which is why she's not playing this week either. Um, but she didn't want to talk to the media or, or give us any information. So I can't really give you any inside information because she didn't want to talk, <laughs> but, um, but you know, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sophie, um, what are your thoughts about having to come back from an injury like that? And uh, your first event coming back is going to be a major tournament. I mean, what kind of goes through your mind in your yeah. preparations? When anybody has a bad back, even at such a young age, it's it's never a good sign, in my opinion. Like it's it's not easy to. You're always trying to manage it. So even if it's so, there's a fear of as you come down to the ball. It's like when is it? Even if it doesn't, you're not going to do any damage. It's that feeling of not being able to move freely, and that's when you play your best golf when you are free to move. So it's. I think the rest is ideal but it's then it's that trust of teeing it up will it will it's like this is going to be seven rounds this in at the u.s open okay because you're going to have to do lots of practice rounds so normally you can go and not do as many but this is seven full days of golf and it's going to be cold so is she living in florida maybe like it's warm there right so you're out there <laughs> like shorts t-shirt and everything feels loose and it's no problem then you go into somewhere which is a lot colder um, you know, there might be rain delays. You're coming in and out. You very much just got to be fingers crossed that she gets some good weather, in, in my opinion. Um, Nellie Corder, I never, ever put a question mark against her, but this this major I do just because the, the back is so tender, um, a part of the body to injure that you need, if you're going to play a, an, a major championship you need to be 100% fit mentally and physically in my opinion um, to, to get it done just because the stresses that you put on everything during those weeks mm-hmm. yeah. it might it might be a step too far it might be a couple of weeks too early for it but th- that's only my opinion trying to come back from back injuries right right I think one of the other players that has a big question mark uh, in terms of what's going to happen is Jin Young Ko. Uh, we haven't seen her all season, and then she came back last uh, last event. Um, I th- believe she's playing this event uh, this week in Dallas, and then uh, the uh, U.S. Open down in Houston. Um, any thoughts about uh, her approach to having come back so late and? Thoughts about how she might be able to get her game really sharp for Houston? 
Yeah, I mean, Jen Young, um, I, I, you know, I think I can't really blame her for coming back late. Uh, it's it's so much easier to compete in Korea right now, um, you know, just in terms of, well, it's safe. The travel's easy. Um, so I understand why so many players stayed over there longer than maybe we thought they would have. Um, I actually thought Jen Young would come back to defend her title at um, the ANA. I was surprised that she didn't do that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I look at at uh, this week as will be an important tell for for um, where her game's at. You know, it was, you know, it was hard to have very, very high expectations, you know, at Pelican, um, yeah. given it was her first uh, tournament back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how she plays in Dallas. Um, I, I think she probably will have enough time to 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 warm up uh, to you know, to being back on the LPGA and, um, and, and, you know, there was a lot to get used to that, that first week back. Um, but, you know, I think, I mean, I, I, I think Jen Young Co could easily contend in Texas. I mean, looking at what she did last year and how dominant she was at the majors, how, how well she played, she nearly won three of them. So <laughs> who am I to ever question <laughs> Jen Young Co? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, what kind of raises a question, though? I mean, right now in Dallas, I'm looking at some of the temperatures, and um, it's nine degrees Celsius, which is about uh, 36. Mm. 36, 37, I think, is about right uh, for Fahrenheit. So it's not exactly the warmest conditions for these players. And I'm thinking perhaps the only players that would have some sort of advantage or, or at least comfort with that would have been uh, – I like to joke that our Canadian player, Brooke's going to be used to it. The gals from Scotland and England who play throughout the year, things like that. The Koreans play in some pretty thoughts? crappy weather. <laughs> Koreans playing cold. Yeah, yeah. I suppose too. I, you're, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. They, I, you never think of it as being that kind of cold country like, you know, some of these other, but you're absolutely right. They play in a lot of bad weather, a lot of wind. Yeah. Yeah. And these. These players are that good that, I mean, it's not going to affect, it's going to affect them being like, oh, I'm a bit cold, you know, but they can play in, in anything really. Yeah. I think your yeah. point about the back injury and the cold is probably the most, anybody who has some kind of something that doesn't feel good is going to have a harder time in this weather. That That's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. And the weather should be a little warmer in Houston, it mm -hmm. looks like. Yeah, it's. A lot further south, but but it will it will be interesting though because it'll be you know a damp cold and and the ball isn't going to you know travel as far and you know there will be some adjustments uh, for sure but I think the Bermuda is probably more more of an adjustment than anything, especially this time of the year I take it because I gather yeah yeah it's such a warm weather grass isn't it um. Is there something you would do, Sophie, a little bit differently in preparing for an event this time of the year? Like, do you, do you practice different shots? Do you figure out how you're going to approach things a little bit differently when the playing conditions are like this? If it was like a one-off, but I think because the season's been put back so much, like you, okay. you're forever, like for instance, this week, they're playing in cold conditions. So you're already preparing in, in that way because everything's been put back Absolutely. so much. Um, I think mentally is a, is a big challenge for you. You've just got to get over the fact that you have the two different courses. You have the fact that it's really cold. There's a different, with, say, with the Bermuda. So the players that live in Texas, um, you know, they're off-season and stuff like that. They'll just be used to playing in this Bermuda grass a bit more. Just it's, They don't even have to think about it. So there, there's a definite... Like you, you, you're either in for putting, especially like you either love putting on Bermuda or you don't. So right away, you can limit a lot of players. You can just say, well, I don't, don't think they'll be good on it. Um, but yeah, preparation wise, you're already in it. Like it'd be totally different if you'd have had a month off and then you go in and play a US Open. Like it's, 
that would be that would be massively different. But obviously, from a player's point of view, your sevens and rough is normally really thick. Like it's that's just the way it is. So if it's not as up as much, that's that's good. Um, but there's always there's just a similar thing of like US Open just runoffs. There's always runoffs off greens, and you've got to practice what shot you're going to do to to land the high floater on the green. So with Bermuda grass you can't do the, the chip and run into it because it, it grabs it and like the different types of grasses for different types types of the year so um, you know the open championship you can put through that for quite a long and it can roll up but if you've got different grasses you can't do that so you're going to have to play the higher shot that type of thing but uh, Daniel Kang might be prepping a little bit more but the rest of them in all honesty will be worrying about this week and then they'll just move on to next week and, tr- and try and do it that way um, in my opinion at the minute that everyone's just taking this this year like not even one week at a time like one day at a time <laughs> uh, very true <laughs> yeah um, while we're on sort of that topic um, Sophie any thoughts about uh the English contingent in Georgia, Charlie and Mel, because they're they're all all three are in the uh, U.S. Open, so and they've all had some uh, good success this year, more or less. Yeah, I mean England golf's in a, a great place. Like it'd be nice, you know, to see Bronte kind of get back to where she was, and there'll be if I think Meg McLaren's over there. There's a there's a few English in the U.S. Open, a few of the AMs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like obviously Mel is pretty much a permanent status on the LPGA now, and I just feel I just feel that she's stepped up a level in terms of her belief in herself, in the comfort, how she feels out there, how she carries herself. Um, yeah. So, and, and another player that is really good around tough golf courses. So. Georgia, Charlie, Mel, the harder the golf course, the better, in my opinion, is how they play. They, you know, Mel's had a good result KPMG before and Charlie came seventh this year KPMG. So um, Georgia, in my opinion, would suit US Open more, but like their results haven't been that, that great at it. I think Georgia's game swing-wise looks to be in a really good place. She's done a little bit of work with Robert Rock and it definitely you can see some changes in it. I thought she showed good form in Saudi, but didn't get over the line. There was almost like that little lack of belief in it to get to get over the line. Uh, and Charlie, decision making just wasn't that great in Saudi Arabia. And obviously, US Open decision making needs to be spot on. So if she can work on that swing wise, I mean, she was hitting the ball miles. In fact, she kind of didn't even. She here was hitting it too far. You know, she was hitting it into water off the tee. She didn't realize she could hit it that fast. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> There's probably been a bit more of a change in Charlie's game in the, in the length that she's gained. Mm-hmm. Whereas Georgia, I always feel like, understands her game no matter. So when she's playing bad, she understands she's playing bad and she'll maybe take a club up um, and she'll just work her way around that. And when she's playing well, she manages courses well. Whereas Charlie's just gone home, you know, if Charlie's on, then look out. But equally, if she's not on, then I can feel like she she can throw in a higher a higher number there just by making like just silly mistakes. And honestly, I think if Charlie can iron out the, the silly mistakes, then the major's only around the corner but that's the pressure of the major it's mm-hmm. you can't afford like some some uh, tournaments you can afford like a bad round you know but at the US Open you can't even afford like a bad couple of holes it's so mentally yeah. like draining on you yeah. so um, yeah like for me Georgia's the one that this that the US Open courses suit more but it's great to be an English like golfer right now. It's amazing to see how well they're doing on the LPGA. And I think they're all just encouraging each other. So Georgia wins, then Mel wins. And, you know, Charlie will be definitely looking to get, get a win before the end of the year. She came really close last year at CME. Um, so she's kind of has quite nice form towards the end of the year. So, yeah, I mean, it'll kind, they, kind of bring an English winner. Well. So any of them, it doesn't matter which one. <laughs> yeah. And Bronte will be able to take a little part in uh, in their success too. Enough challenges. Yeah, well, Bronte's going through swing changes. So I mean, she she only lives well, not anymore, but down the road from me. 
Um, so I know her coach reasonably well. And it was this time last year that he was, he collared me in the car park and he's like, so I'm going to change Bonnie's swing and it's going to be amazing. And, and you know, when you're just thinking, yeah. what? Like, really? Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, it's happened to Lydia Coe and that wasn't that successful, you know, and she's almost like Lydia Coe's now going back to what she used to do. Um, so that was a little bit worrying for me. So Bronte has done that. So she basically, Bronte hits fades and she doesn't hit it far enough. So she wants to put a bit of a draw in her bag so she can hit it a bit longer. But she was then hitting it wide and then not long. So I think they've, they've committed to a process and they're going to keep going, but they're slightly coming back on that. You know, so it's like, well, the, the change, we're not right. going to do 100%. We're going to maybe go 50-50. Um, because... I don't know, like, I, I don't know if it's because I'm a bit older now, but this swing change when you have just won tournaments and stuff, it, it I don't get it. But I also, I, I do get it because you want to get better. Like, us golfers, we speak perfection. Um, and I kind of get it sometimes even from, from a coach's point of view. It's like, you know, <laughs> where do I go next with this player? How can I keep them interested? And... I think coaches, you can't settle as a coach, can you? Because you always want everyone to improve. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about a sweep. If you're going to do it, do it now, because exemption categories, they don't move like it's cool. But I just hope that she hasn't gone too far in the in that direction that she can't get it back. I wouldn't want to be playing US Open with a new swing, let's put it that way. <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, yeah. But wow. she, most understandable. Yeah, I know. Like, and I admire her for wanting to to get better. I really do. Like, um, so hopefully it'll it'll work out one way or another for her. Yeah, yeah. And one of the exciting things about Georgia, she's opened her account now at, on the LPGA here in uh, here in North America. So. Yeah, I can't tell great. you how much that means to her. Like, it's a huge just monkey off her back you know and, and I don't even think anyone else really realised it but like she'd not won an event on the LET she'd won a major but she'd not won a regular LET event and then she'd not won on the LPGA either and there's a few people in the men's game that have only ever won an Open and we didn't hear much from them again and she, you know she didn't want to be that person and, and for a European to win in America it's a massive deal like I don't know if you appreciate it but it, over here it's it's just it's an I've arrived because everyone goes, oh, like you've been in Europe. You can play on open golf courses, links <laughs> golf courses that you used to. But when you go over there and you need to hit it and you need to carry it further, you need to play out the rough to the tight pins. Can you do it? And it's like now she knows she can do it. So mm. that's big for her. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Um, a couple of more players I'd like to do a good review on. One of the names I've avoided so far is Brooke Henderson. So. Where do we kick that off? <laughs> oh, she's not got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my thought is she'd be having a heck of a year if it wasn't for CM. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Or Miriam Lee, right? Yeah. And a world. Well, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, she's come so close. And, and you know... I put her also put her in the category of, you know, she loves a good challenge. So, um, you know, I think she and Brittany, I think your caddy's going to be a big deal next week. And she and Brittany work so well together as a team. Um, uh, Brittany really does her homework. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I, they communicate so well together. I mean, I, 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 I like her next week, you know, it'll, it'll, and I think, I think it's going to play long, long. So, um, so that plays to her advantage as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a fair analysis of the uh, U.S. Open style of play is you got to find some fairways and you got to be strong with your irons and getting those greens and regulations because uh, can't afford to play too much out of the rough or too much out of the bunkers there. No, it's true. Yeah, you've also, like you were saying before, Bethan, it's where you hit it on the green. Like, there's so much. Right. It, it's where you hit it, but more importantly, where you don't hit it. Like, it's mm -hmm. more, like on your course guide, all you have is crosses. So there'll be a portion of the green 
Uh, and then it'll be like, you'll have a huge cross on the front right and the right-hand side. It's like, just don't mess with that. If you're going to miss, miss left. And that's where learning the golf course is so important because you don't want to miss right, look at it and go, oh, I didn't want to be here. And then you learn it for the next day because you've made double out of nowhere. So it's, it's can you manage your golf ball to not just hit a green, it's to hit the right part of the green, not just hit a fairway, hit the right part of the fairway. Um, right. Yeah, it's. I think the US Open's the biggest test. I always, like when I played it, it was, you know, it's tough, it's hard. And it's just constantly just never lets up on you. But then also you, you know that, so you are prepared for that. Yeah. Well, another name uh, that's quite popular right now and people are chatting a lot about is the uh, the rookie, Bianca Pagdanenan. Mm. She hits the ball a long way. She's uh, got some pretty good tools in her bag. Um, and she did have uh, back-to-back, uh, what was it, 65s, I think it was, at DPMG. So, you know, she's got the capability of going pretty low if she, you know, if she can get her game going. Uh is it fair expectation or is it an unfair expectation to think that she could be contending for the win in uh, Houston? Or is it more realistic to think that a, a top 10 finish is something uh, uh, that would be really significant for her? Well, I think <laughs> you go first. I was going to go. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think she'd take it. If you gave her a top 10 finish today, she'd walk away, you know, thrilled (laughs) um you know i think at this point everything for bianca to me for the rest of the year is gravy right i mean she's i don't think she's gonna feel a ton of pressure nobody's like looking at her as someone that we expect to win uh you know she's in in my mind she could be a great dark horse because i think she she's still a dark horse even though people are starting to figure out how to pronounce her name (laughs) like she's becoming familiar uh because her power is so significant and so head turning that you you can't help but notice what she's doing but i don't think that she feels a lot of pressure coming in because she's already proved so much to herself this year that you know her card secure you know everything's good for next year um you know i just i think but i also think she probably feels like there are no limits to what she can do after you know what she accomplished uh at at aronimic which was an extremely uh difficult test so um so yeah i mean i'm excited to see what she does because i think she's one of the most exciting up-and-comers on the lpga and um has a great personality yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sophie, I have a quick question for you. So, for the rookies that are out there for their first time ever, um, what kind of advice or what would you, what would be some wisdom that you would drop on them in terms of nerves or just any kind, anything you would just leave them with? What would you say to them? Um. I don't know, like, it's different because obviously the US Open, to, it won't be the same as what it normally is. Do you know what I mean? Like, normally it's just, you get your, you get your Lexus car, you get, like, everything, like, presents. It's, like, it's amazing, like, you get thrown at you. So, like, you won't get that, which will actually be a bit of an advantage for a rookie because there's less distractions, mm. okay? So, like... Trying to get a practice round is normally a complete nightmare at US Open, but it's going to be fine now because there's two courses to play and whatever. So it's if you're going to be a rookie, it's actually a really good US Open to be a rookie at because there's a limited amount of fans. There's no expectation on anybody. Like this year in the majors, I mean, it's proven anybody can win one and there's been a lot of first-time winners. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's you go in there and you can have a good week and you win. It's just that's the way it is. So I think as a rookie, I would just go in and and just enjoy it. But also it's going to it's not going to be easy. So it's just like just make your pars. Pars are fine. And just don't try and like I always think of you as just tr- play a percentage shot. Yeah. Like if right. you yeah, just play your percentage shot. And if you feel like you can go at a flag and you feel comfortable doing it, then do it. But if it's not on, just stick it in the right part of the green and it's not a problem. But yeah, percentage golf, which is unusual because most of the time it's a massive shootout, right? But um, I think you can manage your game around the US Open. It's, it's, right. That's why it's more 
Like the field at the US Open is massive. Like it's, and it doesn't, and this is the amazing thing. It's not always the strongest field, right? Just because it's the biggest, it don't mean it's the strongest. You always see somebody at a US Open that just comes out and, oh, you know, and, and that's easily done because there's so many qualifiers and there's this and that. So if ever there's a year that a rookie can go out and win a US Open, it's this one. Yeah. Let's yeah. see it. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're at that time. Let us, if we can, do a quick around the table for our picks and who we think might be a, a good dark horse or or a player to watch. So why don't we start with, uh, put the pressure on you, Beth Ann, and start with you. Well, I'm going with the think? same pick that I've had at uh, previous majors in B Park. <laughs> um, I, yes. I, 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 I mean, no one's had a better record in the last decade at the U.S. Women's Open than NB Park. So um, I think she's due. Um, I, there's no better uh, putter, much less lag putter in the women's game than NB. Um, I think she'll do a fine job of hitting it into the right section of the green. But if she doesn't, I have no doubt that that beautiful speed of hers will <laughs> cozy her right up to the hole where she won't even have to have any knee knockers. Uh, it's just, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to watch the rhythm of her putting stroke. So um, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm for MB for this year. We'll see. Okay. And what about a, uh, a dark horse or a player to watch? So I'm going to go with the Texan here. Um, I, I, I actually think you know Kristen Gilman is a is uh, she's not she's not, she's not from like next door but, but she's she like like a Cheyenne uh, Knight or or Stacy Lewis who who they're literally from the woodlands right down the road but um but I, I like Kristen Gilman another two time U.S. Women's Amateur Champion loves the grind you know obviously a Texas native um you know goes under the radar for the most part had a nice run at the British earlier this year um, you know I, I think I think we could see someone another first time winner who hasn't won anything much less a major a, a breakthrough this week as as Sophie said I mean she, she wouldn't be anything like Sophia Popoff I mean, <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of a Cinderella story uh, but it, it I think I think she would be a fun dark horse yeah terrific Sophie yeah, I suppose my my dark horse probably won't be that dark a horse, but she's still not won a major. So my, my tip is Danielle Kang because, um, well, everything what we said before, she steps up in difficult conditions. And her wedge game is immaculate. It's I think it's the best wedge game on the LPGA, around the greens. Like, you know, for some reason, women don't perform as well around the greens as men, even though you don't need as much speed and whatever, but her hands around the greens, like I followed her at the Scottish open this year. She's so good with her wedges and so incredibly confident with them. Um, so yeah, Danielle Kang for me, um, like the favorite as such, but, and then I'm going to go for Minji Lee. And obviously she's not a dark horse. Everybody knows Minji, but she's, you know, she's not one a major yet lives in Texas um, played really well. Uh, well, won the the Vic Open on two courses that then went into one. Uh, I saw her play in Dubai. Lag putting was amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not everyone's heard of her, but still, I would still think that she could uh, needs to just take it to that next level. Yeah, yeah, good picks. Cheyenne, how about you? All right, so mine isn't a dark horse either, but. I feel like Sophie just confirmed a few things that I was thinking. <laughs> so mine's Emily Pedersen. I think she's just on a high from winning and has that confidence. And if she can just bring that great energy um, to the U.S., I think it'll be fun to watch. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So that would be my choice. In and terms I think- of how far she hits it, by the way, just look out because she is – the way she's hitting that driver at the minute, it's so straight and it's really quite long. So I think she'll be pushing for like one of the longest off the tee as well. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. I love it. No, that's great. Um, and then, you know, I have to go for the Canadian, don't I? Like, you know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so that would be my like ultimate choice. But yeah, those are my two. Okay. All right. Well, uh, 
I've been thinking on, you know, so many great picks that you all have, and we've covered so many great players, but I think this week is going to be Brooke Henderson's week. I think that she's going to be bringing that little extra determination. She's a competitive individual, not unlike Danielle. That's why I think the two of them are, you know, I'll never forget that uh, showdown they had at the KPMG Sunday when uh, Brooke was defending champion and her and Danielle, they just go, go, go. And, you know, Danielle managed to find that little bit extra and pulled it out. Uh, I think Brooke, uh, Brooke has become accustomed, I think, to winning a few events a year. And even though it's been a short year, I think she's privately going to be a little bit disappointed that she hasn't put one away yet. And I think she's going to look at this U.S. Open as one that uh, she's not going to let get away. And I think this is that little bit extra determination and uh, focus. I think she's going to be doing it. She's there. She's been practicing there. She's been getting a good look at the courses for the last couple of weeks. She's, she skipped Dallas to get some more uh, time in uh, in Houston. So I think uh, I think she's the one. That's my pick. You know, maybe there's a little bit of this Canadian bias, but I just think she's Could got. <laughs> I just think she's got that something going this week. <laughs> as far as player to watch, you know, there's so many of them out there that just, you know, it's, I think women's golf is in such a great place right now that uh, there's so many, going to be so many wonderful stories. And um, I don't know if I would have a dark horse out there, but uh, I think players to watch would include, uh, I mean, you mentioned Minji. I've been thinking a lot about her because, you know, she has started to coming off that win in Dubai and, uh, She's been putting well and great putter. And I know Indy, it's another. I mean, how do you how, – just so many uh, potential winners and players. And you don't want to pick there. anybody but Brooke. No, no, no. It's not that. It's just – it's like there's so many potential dark horses that, you know, could do super well. Dark horses, you know? Elena um, Sharp. <laughs> yeah. Newly, newly <laughs> well, isn't that the thing? You know, I mean, look at – Allie McDonald, is it Allie Ewing now that she's uh, gotten married? Um, she's been playing really well, too. And I think if I was going to pick somebody as a dark horse player, I would put Allie McDonald. Really, as to one to one. She played pretty good in uh, at the uh, British Open, or was it the Scottish Open? I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the British Open, or the, uh, the Open. And uh, she's played well the last several events. I think she's, uh, I think she might be the dark horse to watch. Yeah, she's a good one. Love it. Anyway, so as we start to wrap up, uh, where are you off to, Beth? Are you covering uh, the the, uh, Volunteers of America event? No, I'm home this week. I'll I'll be heading out to Texas on Monday for the Women's Open, and then I'll be at CME um, in Naples for the finale. So that basically takes you to Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. Less than a week to Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And how about you, Sophie? Um, what's going on your calendar for coming up for you next in the next little while? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be home. So um, we're still, we're not in lockdown as such. We're kind of out of it today, but but travel and stuff is, is a bit more limited. So Sky Sports is in the south of England. So, um, yeah, I won't be covering any of the women's golf with them in the studio. Just all this, you know, now you're only allowed, what, two people in there and four instead of three, four. So I'm back in Manchester for three weeks and I work for a company that does golf club reviews, which is amazing because you get all the brand new tailor-made kit, mm, Callaway fine. kit, everything. But they all come out in January and we have to do our reviews in December. So I will be freezing on a golf course <laughs> Trying to yeah tell you how good the morning is. Yeah, so I my if you see a shaky smile, we know you're freezing. Yeah, yeah, so the cameraman's always like, "Don't look cold, don't look cold." (laughs) Meanwhile, they're all they're all bundled up though, of course. But you have to be in there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So for the few moments I'm on the camera, I have to smile. So that that's me for the next kind of three weeks, just trying to fit as much of that in as possible luckily where i teach is inside so that's not a problem uh, terrific terrific that's nice. yeah awesome awesome Amazing. well um on behalf of both uh cheyenne and i thank you so so much for uh, all your time today i mean that was fantastic you sharing your knowledge and experience and uh really appreciate you sophie um sharing a lot of your knowledge of the particularly the European game and the players perspective I think that's just fantastic and and I think it's going to be a 
fantastic uh, couple of weeks for women's golf. I mean, CME and uh, U.S. Women's Open. What a way to end the calendar year. So, just fantastic. Yeah, big one anyway. <laughs> So, thank you very much. Absolutely. Really, really glad we could have you as guests. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having us. Thanks. You are listening to We're Talking Golf, produced by the World of Golf. This episode was recorded on December 2nd, 2020. If you have an idea for a future show, please let us know by sending an email to us at info at worldofgolf.org. Please include podcast show in the subject line. This show is the copyright of the world of golf. Thank you for listening.